This is the Truth Network. Coming to you from an entrenched barricade deep in the heart of Central North Carolina. Masculine Journey After Hours. A time to go deeper and be more transparent on the topic covered on this week's broadcast. So sit back and join us on this adventure. The Masculine Journey After Hours starts here now. Welcome to Masculine Journey After Hours. And, and Andy, you, you shamed me into not mentioning something in our regular broadcast that this isn't Eve. Right? It, it is an Eve, and so I'll go ahead and hand you the microphone, and you can share what Eve it is. So, Robbie, what Eve is it? No. It's Father's Day Eve. Yeah. Yep. There you go. Only one day. There are no, no repeats of the Eve, so. Yeah. It's not an Eve of an Eve of an Eve. It's, it's the actual Eve, and so if you haven't got your Father's Day present, you're kind of hosed. <laughs> 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 you, you got Oops. You got a few more shopping hours and a bunch of social distancing you can go do and try to get your uh, present between now and uh, tomorrow. Yeah, Amazon doesn't deliver within an hour most places M- yet. Most places. Sometimes within a day, so you might be okay to get it by now. Mm, I'm okay with setting the clocks back a few days. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Depending on the age of your dad, you can just uh, tell yeah, him it's, it's Father's Day. Yeah. You know, you can just hey, <laughs> hey dad. <laughs> That's tomorrow. <laughs> but yeah, we'll, we'll continue to, to talk about the topic at hand. We're talking about shame and the difference between shame and guilt. And if, if you don't know what that is, we'll talk about it briefly, but go listen to the last podcast if you're listening to them out of order. You know, we did really dive into that pretty heavily in the actual uh, Masculine Journey podcast. But Darren, can you kind of set us up on just a brief difference between the two of shame and guilt? Yeah, guilt is about my actions. Shame is about who I am because of my actions um, would be probably the the easiest way I could sum it up. Um, We wear an identity that is based in shame often. And, you know, you you we ended the show you talking about a lot of what we deal with at boot camp has to do with that idea. The poser comes right out of shame you're ashamed of who you are therefore you pose to be somebody that you're not right the new name what's the new name trying to do what's god doing when he gives you a new name which is a biblical concept Um, he is trying to give you your true identity so that you can put off the false self the shameful self and walk in your true identity rather than the identity that the world or you have given yourself yeah, the enemy knows that the agreements that we talk about on different episodes, you know, of the show, and we talk about it at boot camp, will help lead to this whole shame place. Mm-hmm. You know, that's a whole journey that he takes you on, right? right. Is to build this stronghold to where you have this shame core, right? And, and that's really what we deal with. We deal with it through believing something other than what God tells us of who we are, right? Right, and so we buy it as the truth, and everything kind of feeds out of that. Yeah, and it, we. Every single one of us, and we, we played the clip in the show earlier that Brene Brown spoke on the idea and said that everyone carries shame. Shame is not something that that person carries, and we talk about it. Shame is something we all carry, and we need to talk about it. Um, you're ashamed of something. You know, it's, it might be your weight. It might be who you're married to, who you're not married to, who you used to be married to. Um, it, it might be your parents, it might be your age, it might be your health, um, it, it could be your education, it could be any number of things, but I don't know a single man who doesn't walk in some area of shame. 
and you know i just you know harold for instance he is the oldest guy here he doesn't walk in shame of that though we tease him a lot about it but that's not a shameful thing we tease him because he's he's got the most wisdom of all of us um but there's probably something that harold might feel shameful about and we talked about it before the show um and i don't know whether you want to share that or not on the air but well i noticed um, when you said wait you looked at me so i really do appreciate that but thank you um (laughs) harold do you feel like sharing what you talked about before the show yeah when we were talking i said that i didn't think you could be ashamed without having done something and the discussion that came after that all of a sudden i realized yeah you can because as a youngster uh, i was ashamed of my father who had a drinking problem uh, he would be seen kind of staggering around in front of people. And uh, I carried that uh, with me. I had been ashamed of him most of my life. He finally kicked it uh, later in life, and we had a we had a last several good years. But that was something that really, uh, it really marked me. Uh, I had a hard time being in a business environment where there were drinking going on uh i wouldn't even take a glass of water because i didn't want anybody thinking that i was drinking alcohol and so i was really warped and uh, in a lot of ways uh very angry a lot of it went back to that being ashamed i loved my father uh but there was that shame yeah, and it, it's it's weird, you know, because you can grow up in a situation that you don't feel shame about. You know, I, I remember seeing on Facebook the other day that someone had a um, um, a picture of government cheese, and it said, "Who knows what this is?" I did because we got it every month or every time it became available because we didn't have any money. I don't feel any shame about that. Some people that would just be horrible for them, and that's what the enemy plays on. He takes those things that knows that hurt your heart and just digs in deep by the way i am not ashamed of my age i love it (laughs) and i like the fact that we can have so much fun with it yeah we're all hoping to get to that age you know honestly and and looking around the room it is questionable (laughs) yeah it's it's really questionable for some of us robbie's tried to kill himself at least 30 or 40 times jumping out of deer stands running into cars all kinds of things shutting shooting his thumb off yeah trying to blow his hands off yeah yeah we can talk about robbie all we want because he doesn't have a mic in front of him yep Yep, sitting there with a mask on his face so we can talk about him yeah you know some of these things on on shame you know it Jim talked about in the uh, other show, you know, not bringing shame to the family name. Yeah. And sometimes the family name brings shame to you. Yeah. Right. Maybe that's the story that you grew up in. Right. Or what you've done brings shame. Mm-hmm. Right. And again, it's taking that place of guilt and we let the enemy build upon that guilt and have mm-hmm. it become so much more entrenched on our lives that it becomes a part of our identity. Mm-hmm. Do you want to share a little bit about your yeah, story sure. with the after school special? <laughs> I mean, honestly, yeah, that yeah, no, I'm I'm happy to do it. Um, I would rather share about your shameful moments. Well, Sam, I've got but, a couple of those coming um, up. So, but yeah. no, I you know I was sharing before the show that um, I actually went to go look for a clip. I figured it was so long and so long ago that it wouldn't you know I wouldn't even be able to find it. But there was an after school special 
Um, and for those of you that are too young to know what that is, that happened about 45, 50 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, there were after-school specials about once every quarter or so. Yeah, something the boy in the plastic bubble was one of them. Oh, yeah. yeah. I forgot about him. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Anyway, there was a there was a show that came on and I couldn't tell you the name of it, but I know who starred in it and I can remember a lot of the things about the show. The reason being, it was Michael Landon who played Little Joe on the Bonanza. Um, he was in it and it was when he was very young and he played a high school athlete, um, very good runner. And I believe it was a true story, but he was a high school runner and a very good runner for a specific reason. And that reason was because he wet the bed and he wet the bed and his mother did not know how to handle that and didn't handle it well at all. In fact, she shamed him on a regular basis by threatening him to put his sheets out the window so that all of his friends could see that he was a bedwetter. Um, putting his mattress out to air out so that his friends could see that he was a bedwetter. And so the reason he was such a great runner was because all of his life, as soon as he would get out of school, he wouldn't ride the bus home. He would run all the way home as fast as he could to take that stuff down so that his shame could be hidden. Well, I remember watching that movie in just fear and trepidation because I struggled with wetting the bed when I was a young man um, for a good while as long as I can remember as far as you know way back when I was a little bitty boy and I know that every kid struggles with that at one time or another but my situation was a little different I struggled with it on a regular basis and I remembered growing up, my mother saying things like, you know, when we would be over at my grandma's house playing or whatever, and we were running and hot and sweaty, and I would go to get a drink, and she would say, no, 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 don't drink too much because you'll, you'll wet the bed. And she would say that in front of everybody, and that she didn't mean to shame me, but it felt horribly shameful. Well, what I didn't know then, I found out years later from a really good counselor friend of ours, uh, Kim Whitehurst, who's here in the in the triad area if if you're in the triad area and need a counselor i would highly recommend kim um and uh kim was sharing with me um that most children who are sexually abused one of the ways that that their body responds that their psyche responds is by wetting the bed at night especially if the bedroom is a fearful place for them And so a lot of times they will end up doing that. And it's it's your body's way of crying out for help. Well, your parents don't know how to deal with that. You don't know how to, you don't know that's happening, but Satan takes something that's happened to you. You had no control over um, something that was very shameful. Add something else. You know, your body responds crying for help. And then Satan attacks that with, with messages of something that there's nothing sinful about that. And yet it was the biggest source of shame for me as a young man to the point where I didn't want my friends to go come in my room um, because they might see a stain on my bed or, or worse yet smell something because I could cover the stains, you know, with sheets and stuff, but you can't cover up that smell. And so that was a huge source of shame for me. And I told that story and then you guys all just started ridiculing me and making (laughs) fun of me. And so I wasn't going to tell it. No, seriously. I mean, you know, we're really, we're a safe place. We can do that. I mean, obviously we're telling it, you know, for however many listeners we have. 
Yeah, it is a, a tough thing. Um, Andy, I'm going to go ahead and kind of switch that over to you a little bit to talk about on this topic of shame. You know, where's God got you right now or where has God taken you from there, you know, in the past? So I guess probably the first time, I mean, I grew up with a good, good family life, good example. My dad wasn't perfect, but I, I knew he loved me. And, and when he and my mom separated or, and, and he left the country, it, you know, mom was in a tough situation. She ended up dating this guy and ended up marrying him. And he's looked like the greatest uh, blessing to us. We were tough time and all. So she married him. I thought all was good, man. I was moving on up. I was moving out from an apartment to a house. Everything looked good. And the man was good. I mean, he we went to church together and stuff. But he just had a lot of old ways in him. And one of that thing, one of those things was to put shame uh, on people, not just me, but people. In different ways. A lot of times he thought it was funny, it was cute, probably, you know, really probably a lot of opposing on his side. But I remember my three pet names were Stoop, Dummy, and Shithead. So I carried that. A lot of uh, what he dealt, um, how he dealt with me was I wasn't, I mean, I had, I was good in school and he would kind of shame that Hey, you you can do good in school, but you can't do anything as a mechanic, or you don't know anything about you know you can't even change a transmission oil or, or whatever it may be. I mean, it was it was it was it, things that he would pick out that I had deficiencies, and I never had dealt with that really. I mean, my dad had called out things that he needed to call out in me, but not in a very uh, you know critical way like that. So that was the first uh, time I dealt with shame. I think. But I'm, I don't want to really talk about that. That, guy, that man had some good things in him. He helped me a lot in a lot of different ways. But that was the first time I really dealt with shame. But I guess the real, really deal where I really had to deal with shame and what my past, um, where I was when I came to the masculine journey was just, you know, we've talked about lust and pornography, of just really carrying that for so many years and not wanting anybody to know that was the culture of the church. You didn't share those things. And, you know, you were hidden and isolated, and you carried that shame with you, that thing where you felt like you were the only person in the world dealing with this, and you were, you know, like a leper, unclean, you know? And, you know, the only thing that protected you from that was the absence of anybody else knowing. But it was you and God you were on a consistent confession uh, every time that you were, you know, it happened or whatever, but it was just a lot of freedom whenever you get that freedom and you realize how shame kept you in a place separated from God for so long. And really that wasn't his heart and his position to you. I mean, I, I, I want to share this scripture from Isaiah 54 now, Isaiah 54, it's it's really talking to Israel, but it's really talking about the end times and, and the restoration of all things. But it says, to his church, his body, but I feel like to the individual, do not be afraid, and you will not be put to shame. Do not fear disgrace. You will not be humiliated. You will, not, you will forget the shame of your youth. And I feel like that is the blessing of being shame being removed again. Shame was a big part of my life. And so whenever you, 
you know, you're you're walking outside of that shame. You have so much more appreciation, and you therefore you don't really want to project that shame on anybody else. Thank you, Andy. Mm-hmm. I, I think that what makes shame work is because it's rooted in truth. That's where the enemy always gets you. He gets you with agreements because it's rooted in truth. He doesn't come at you from left field, right? And so there's some level of truth that he builds upon. You know, a lot of my shame initially, very similar to you, Darren, came out of a molestation issue as a kid, but later on became an addiction to pornography, mm-hmm. right? That really, you know, one kind of dovetailed into the other. You know, and the enemy's good about, you know, making you think something's salve, <laughs> you know, for the wound that you feel mm-hmm. that's really just going to take you deeper into mm-hmm. a shameful place. And so you live in this cycle of God, here I am again. I find myself here. I promise I won't be here again. And then you're there again a week later, three days later, whatever the mm-hmm. time period is, a month later, six months later, you're there again because you're not dealing with all that stuff underneath. You know, and that's where you really need God to kind of come in and, and help you see it and then break those agreements and start breaking that cycle, right? Because the enemy is going to keep you in that shame cycle for as long as he can because he knows it feeds everything he's trying to do in your life, plus takes you away from what God had intended you to do with your life. Right. right? I can't live in shame and go live out the glory that God is Absolutely. trying to show through me, right? His glory shown through me. And so the enemy gets a double win there. For me, you know, part of it was, there was always the shame of, you know, having been molested and, and making the statement to myself, no one will ever know about it. You know, enemy coming at me right away saying, you know, you're tainted. You're never going to be a real man, which, and then I stumble upon, not stumble upon, I find my dad's pornography, you know, and it leads into this, this deep rooted um, addiction, right? And so it continues, it continues through my first marriage uh, into my second marriage, Um and, you know, not until I could get to boot camp and start dealing with the woundedness underneath, dealing mm-hmm. with some of that old stuff from the molestation, could that cycle even up, even start to be broken, right? It had to get to the point where God could help me peel that back. But I remember this one time, you know, and I'd already been through boot camp, and I was uh, at work, and I was uh, at, with a group of friends, and we would go to Panera Bread all the time to uh, to work on stuff together because they had free Wi-Fi back in the day when no one else did, right? So we'd go to Panera Bread, and we'd work on stuff. And so we would meet on this side of Indianapolis, and then we'd meet on this side. And, you know, they're all pretty much set up the same. You know, it's kind of like Walmart in theory. You walk in, they're all kind of laid out the same way, except this one. The men's room was in the opposite place where the women's room was, <laughs> right? And we've been going to Panera Bread <laughs> once a week for, I don't know, two years. Mm-hmm. Right. And so, you know, I'm just da, 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 I go to the bathroom, walk in. There's no urinals. And I'm like, I'm, I'm confused as can be. Right. And I'm just dumbfounded. I'm like, wait a minute. I don't know where to go. You know, and, and then uh, the door opens and a lady walks in and her words to me cut like a knife. She looked at me and said, you pervert. And it put words to what the enemy had been telling me for all those years and battling pornography Mm -hmm. and it felt like the truest thing ever said about me right to the point it upset me so much i knew it wasn't true i didn't go in the women's bathroom because i wanted to go in there it was a reverse layout Mm -hmm. you know and it was just habit Mm -hmm. you know but i I walked out there i was so upset that i i just got my stuff and left yeah i left the meeting with my friends because i couldn't even deal with it 
Right. You know, and it, it took probably another couple of years for God to continue to unpack that mm-hmm. and say, why did that hurt so much? Because I believed it to be the truest thing about me. Right. It wasn't. And logically, I knew that in my head. But somewhere deep in my heart, I had stored away this, this lie that I believed to be the truest thing. So we've got one more clip we can play um, from, do we have it in there? We don't. Okay. That's okay. We won't worry about it then. Um, <laughs> we could play it, but we won't. That's okay. Um, there was, if if you've never seen the movie uh, McFarlane USA, we've, we've played some clips on there before, but um, it's a great movie to watch about a man who is walking in shame, living in shame. The shame is that he's too much. He's too hard. He's, he's too rigid. Um, he expects people to actually be um, responsible for their own behaviors. And he's a school teacher, and that's a bad place to be. Um, and if you're a public school teacher, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Um, and he gets fired from one job. Then he gets fired from another job as a football coach because he's, quote, unquote, too hard on the boys. And he finds himself in a very uh, shameful place or it, it feels that way to him and to his family. But it's it's one of those great disruptions where God takes somebody and puts them into a place where they have to deal with their own issues, but at the same time, they get to see other human beings in a totally different way and learn a lot about themselves. And it's the story of these boys who are walking in shame because they're a, they're a bunch of pickers. They're Hispanics. They live in Southern California. They work on picking farms. Their parents work on picking farms, and they walk in this shame. And yet they're good athletes, and they're good boys with good hearts. And he's a good coach with a good heart and a good dad. And they and it's a true story, by the way, um, about the most successful cross country team in the state of California to this day. Um, And it's a great story of how God disrupts us. And that's what we need. We need that. You know, I'm not saying God made you walk in the bathroom that day, but you probably needed that disruption. You know, you probably needed somebody to say something like that to shock you to the point where you went, oh, no. This is this is weightier than I thought it was. There's something really under the hood that's wrong, and I I, I need to go to the counselor, the the heavenly counselor, or maybe another person, um, and deal with that. And that's you know that's what happened in my life. You know when I was a full time pastor, and basically, you know I I resigned from that because I didn't want to bring shame on the church. As my wife was and I were separated and um, I was struggling with a pornography addiction she was having an affair and it was just a mess you know but those disruptions were the things that I had to have in order for me to begin to walk down a path towards healing and not living in that shame I love the clip that we played earlier too of of John Lynch in the um the heart of a man where John says, you know, I walked around thinking there was something on my face. There, there had to be something there that everybody saw. I tried to hide it, but I, but I couldn't. And that's the same way I felt, you know, I mean, I, from literally and from, you know, you want to make sure 
you know, your parents tell you, you make sure you put clean underwear on because, you know, you might have a wreck and have to go to the hospital. Well, I'd hate for the doctor to see dirty underwear. That wasn't the deal for me. It was, I didn't want anybody to see a stain in mine. And so um, it was a, a huge point of shame, but it took me years to figure some of that out. And it was only because I had a good counselor, a guy like Kim Whitehurst and, and some others over the years that helped me walk in that. And because, you know, Andy's brave enough to talk about his shame because um, Harold's brave enough to talk about, you know, the shame that he felt because of his father. And you talked about yours and I and and we do that. Guys, it, it may sound like we're, you know, heroes up here talking about some of this stuff. Uh, it's a part of it is selfishness, because if we didn't do it, we'd still be walking in that shame, that brokenness, that guilt. Um, but because we do shed light on it, lies can't grow in the light. Um, the truth grows in the light. Lies grow in darkness. So let's say that you're out there and you're like, okay, I really don't want uh, to make God have to cause a disruption in my life. Too to, bad. <laughs> to, to make me deal with this. So what would you say that people could go do right now to start that process? Uh, one, I would come to a boot camp. If you can come to a boot camp, it doesn't have to be ours. It could be uh, MasculineJourneyRadio.org um, or MasculineJourney.org, July 16th through the 19th. We definitely will walk you through a process of how to invite God into your story and allow God to take you back to those deepest points, those deepest places of shame and pain and start the healing from there. It might be a boot camp with John Eldridge out in Colorado or, or maybe wherever you're listening, there are boot camps all around. And if you are, you know, in the northwest part of the United States or something and you want to find a boot camp, holler at us. We'll help you find something, uh, I promise. But take a weekend in the woods by yourself. Um, get a loaf of bread and some bologna and, and – uh, go out by a stream someplace and just ask God, God, where do I start? What am I hiding? What have I been hiding for so long? And I'd be willing to bet you, you already know, but he definitely does. So if you didn't listen to the show before this, go back and listen to that. Listen to last week's as well on guilt and the after hours on guilt. But we do want to invite you to come to this boot camp this year. It's going to be very intimate. There won't be as many people. We're doing everything we can to give you as much space in the place where you don't have to be around other men. We're going to give you some social distancing um, and let you and God work on whatever it is that's causing shame in your life. Go to MasculineJourney.org. Register now, July 16th through the 19th in Moxville, North Carolina.